Welcome to That's What He Said, a respectfully irreverent podcast from the anxious, enthusiastic mind of full-time writer and part-time influencer, me, Emma Golden Miller. As a self-proclaimed open book, I started my blog, emmasthing.com, in 2010 so I could share my every random thought, story, and opinion about life with total strangers. But the blogosphere has changed over the years, so now I share all those thoughts, stories, and opinions on this podcast. Every week, you'll hear about what the hell I've been doing, stuff I'm enjoying, and deep thoughts on every topic under the sun, from relationships and career to health, fitness, fashion, and beyond. So let's fucking go. Welcome back to That's What You Said with me, Emma's Thing. I'm so happy that you guys are here. I am so excited for today's episode. I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately, but really and truly, today's is awesome. I am talking to one of my longest standing best friends that I met my freshman year of college who decided in her late 20s that she was going to completely change her career and do whatever it took to get there. And it's such an inspiring story and such an awesome story that really speaks to life is too short and if you are not doing something with your life that brings you joy and makes you feel uh, worthy and fulfilled then it's never too late to change your path but before we get into that I'm just going to do the quickest intro I'm not going to go through my usual today with reading watching and listening because my friend and I talk for a super long time and I just want that to be the focus of today's episode, but let's really, really quickly go over what the hell I did last week. So to be honest, last week was a pretty rough week for me and my anxiety mixed with my PMDD. To get pretty personal, but not say too much, um, you know, Zach and I have officially started trying to conceive and... uh, Obviously, this is my first time ever actually trying to do that. And I'm just already realizing very soon into this process what a mindfuck it truly is. And I, my heart just goes out to every woman ever who has tried to conceive, did conceive, didn't conceive, whatever your story is. You know, I'm not saying that I am freaking out the first month into trying about fertility or any of that. It's just all the things that go along with trying to make a baby. It's very wild. And it's a lot of the concepts are super foreign to me because Obviously, I've never spent time really thinking about it or studying up on it or trying to fully understand uh, the process. But there is this thing called the two-week wait, which is basically the two weeks from your last day of ovulation up until you either get your period or find out you're pregnant. And this was my first time sitting in that two-week wait and just anticipating. And I drove myself crazy. My anxiety was just through the roof with like either way it might have gone. And I just, I was just freaking out. I was just freaking out. And I turned inward and I pooped so much. I just, that's how I, my body expresses itself when it's incredibly anxious. I just can't stop pooping. So lots of poop last week and just 
jittery and it was just bad, y'all. It was just, it was bad. So yeah, that's all I'll say on that front. But then the weekend came around and we went to Tulsa to visit my friend Stephanie, who you're going to hear from today, and her husband. And we had such a wonderful trip being with them, being with their dogs, catching up, talking about so much, going to really great dinners and just experiencing Tulsa through the eyes of them. And it was a really lovely, wonderful getaway. It was way too fast, but you know, such is life. And this week, there's so much happening. So my birthday is April 4th and the birthday celebrations kick off this weekend. So on Friday, uh, myself, Zach, Whitney, her husband, and then actually Zach's cousins, who one of them officiated our wedding, and then obviously his husband was in the audience in attendance. The six of us are going to Taylor Swift here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area on Friday night at AT AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play football. And I am very excited. I don't think I've let the full excitement hit me just yet, but I'm just like... I just know that it's going to be such an experience and I'm so happy that Zach is coming and like agreed (laughs) to partake because even he was like obviously he's not a Swifty by any means and he doesn't listen to Taylor Swift willingly but he does appreciate her as a musician and he was like honestly this is the fucking hottest ticket to have and it's going to be so cool to say that I was there, you know, 20 years from now. I also posted on my story last week about the Taylor Swift scale of obsession. Uh, It's something that me and Merritt and our friend Laura were talking about last week when we went out for drinks and how there's kind of like four levels. Level one is you genuinely don't listen to her. You don't care about her music. You don't care for her. I wouldn't say like you hate her or strongly dislike her, but you just legitimately do not care and she's not your type or style. Level two is you appreciate her big hits and you can sing to shake it off and you need to calm down and I knew you were trouble and all of like the big singles, but that's as far as your fandom goes. Level three is you love her, you respect the fuck out of her as a musician and a lyricist, you know that she's insanely talented, and you definitely uh, listen through her new albums multiple times. You love her. Level four is you are a diehard Swifty. Like you are looking for Easter eggs in every uh, song lyric, every music video, everything she posts online. You're like Kate Kennedy of Be There in Five. And I realized that I'm a level three. I definitely don't, I don't usually get into the conspiracy theories about what her songs mean or who they're um, about or directed toward. I can sometimes, but I never stay down in that rabbit hole for very long. I just love her. I think that she is a mega superstar and an incredible entertainer and you know, some of her albums and songs mean a lot to me. So anyway, so excited to do that. And then on Saturday night, we're going on a double date with my friend Kelly and her husband, who you guys also heard on the podcast um, 
about three or so weeks ago. And then Sunday night, we're going to an early birthday dinner with my parents. And there's going to be some more stuff. Like, obviously, on my birthday night, Zach and I are going to do something. So I'm excited. It's birthday season. Yay. And those are really all the updates that I have for you guys. Just mentally, I'm feeling so much better this week. I feel like I have a new lease on life. And I'm really excited to get into this episode. So let's do that. But before we do, quickly, let's hear from the only sponsor that I have, which is Spotify for Podcasters. Okay, guys, on the show today, I have one of my best friends that I have known since college. We met freshman year of college. Let's give a warm welcome to (laughs) Stephanie. (laughs) To Stephanie Getty. Hi. So, Steph, your full name is Stephanie Ann. Ann. Getty. Getty's, okay, <laughs> this is going to be confusing, but I feel like people need to know this. So, they do. Getty has a lot of nicknames. So, basically, we all call her Getty because that's her maiden name. But in college, I had this, like, running joke that I felt like everyone's middle name was either Anne or Marie. And Getty's <laughs> real middle name is Anne, but I decided it was... She guessed wrong. <laughs> she was like, you're, uh, you're a Marie, aren't you? No. No, I'm not. I'm actually an Anne. But we all call her Marie. So mm-hmm. that's another nickname of hers. Mm-hmm. But she got married four years ago, and her husband's last name is German. And so she's really Stephanie and Getty German. Correct. Um, so yeah, you'll hear me say Steph, Stephanie, Getty, Marie. Just go with it. It depends on what the story's about. That depends true. on how we're feeling. Yeah. So Steph, tell us a little bit about you. Um, oh, where gosh. you were born, where you were raised, etc. Uh okay. So I was born in the city that we are currently in, which is Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And I was raised, uh, it's actually kind of cool. I was raised in the house that my mom was also raised in. Uh, and my mom still lives in that house. It's like a 110-year-old house. God, I like that. so crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Um, and uh, had a really normal upbringing. Went to some great little schools in Tulsa we're not known for our education here in Oklahoma at all Um, but it's okay it worked out all right and then I went to KU which is where we met Mm -hmm. on kind of a whim I chose KU not because of uh, any real reason besides the campus was really pretty that is what Kelly said on Uh her episode that's so funny Campus was really pretty, really liked basketball, and uh, so I lied to my parents, sorry mom, that I wanted to go there because it was the number two public journalism school in the country. Oh, was that not true? It was. Oh, okay. But that, I didn't care. Oh. I didn't, I thought that's what I wanted to do, and so I sold it to my parents that way. And I was like, listen, I'm going to be a journalist. This is where we need to be. We're not going to do private education. This is the one. So what? So were you considering any other schools? No. And I just did that solely for the purpose. I thought that I was like a really good like writer, language arts, like that kind of thing. I had never explored like any other ideas because I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. My brother's a good writer. Yeah. 
this is obviously what I'm going to do. And then I just kind of latched onto it. Interesting. It's a terrible idea when you're 17 to latch onto something. Yeah. I mean, the fact that like we go to college and they're like, so what do you want to be? Immediately. Like you need to know now. Immediately. You you can't even drink legally, but you need to know what you Mm want to be for the rest of your Mm -hmm. life. It's terrible. It's terrible. And that's kind of the theme of today's episode because Steph has a really cool story and that's like what we're going to talk about. But anyway, okay. So you went to KU. I did that. We met freshman year and we were in the same sorority as you know mm-hmm. emma that's true other people might not know um and i feel like kelly traub and i have the same like kind of intro we all followed this like similar strategic communications path in college mm-hmm. and i never looked at i was thinking about this the other day i never looked at any other career path any other like major or anything like that because it was like okay well I'm in this one and just like Kelly my parents basically were like do this in four years yeah our situation was a little different and that my parents deal with me was we will uh pay for college up to the point of what it would cost if you were going to an in-state state school okay like OU or OSU okay Is that what they wanted you to do? Yeah. Okay. Because in their mind, why are you going to another state school that we're paying out of state for? Makes total sense. And so everything outside of that, I took on student loans. Oh. So, and you know, again, when you're 17, you're like, oh, okay, no big deal. Right. It's just student loans. I know exactly everything (laughs) about finance at 17. So this is perfect. (laughs) Um, It was a terrible idea. Um, but all of that to say it like led me to the friends that I have now, the husband that I have now, it took a really long time to kind of get to the career that I have now, but it was all worth it. I mean, it was all for a purpose, but that's kind of the KU part of this. And it's very similar to Traub in that. And when she says Traub, by the way, she's talking about Kelly, who I had on a few episodes ago, um, and her maiden name is Traub. That is not her this last is name. So like, confusing. it's just when you've <laughs> when you've like been friends for so long, like the nicknames don't just go away. And oh. if you literally refer to the person as their last name for however many years, it sticks. Like, I'm not gonna call Kelly McIntyre. No, or like Mac. I would never. No. So no. anyway, no, no, no. So basically, all of us took the same path, and it wasn't just you, me, Kelly. It was Kelly other Kelly yeah. and Laurel had started in the J school yeah. but she was um like the other side of it she was like the production right whatever that side was called stratcom and broadcast uh, yeah broadcast right, right right so and then there were a multitude of other people that I feel like we know that have taken it and done exactly with it what you should and they are so successful so Kelly who yeah. you had yeah um Jen who Jen. New York I don't want to say last names is that it's that? okay no Jen Beck who's like super successful oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah Adam Hurley oh yeah like there and I know I'm forgetting probably Jackie Costek Jackie Costek which by the way if you are in Chicago because I know I have like a Chicago fan base <laughs> if you will um <laughs> Jackie is a local news anchor I think on the CBS affiliate station there um I think she does like Saturday mornings and she her story is wild too like how she came up but like she was in our sorority same grade j school yeah. like all of that and these people took 
the degree in the same time that we were there doing the same classes and they are now extremely successful Mm -hmm. in very different like all of them just those examples of people are all in different areas of how you could take broadcast journalism or strategic communications journalism I mean Kelly Hines is super successful yeah as well yeah so I didn't do that (laughs) okay so let's stop there so that's a little background on Steph Marie Getty um so okay now let's kind of talk about let's talk about how you got to Dallas okay because after college Getty came back to Tulsa correct and and she was gonna do Teach for America so go 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 I was going to do Teach for America. I had a couple friends from high school that ended up doing Teach for America. It's an amazing, listen, it's an amazing (laughs) program. Yeah. It really is. But I, from the few friends that I had that did it, I kind of felt like it was not the exact right path for me. So I had a decision to do Teach for America in Denver or take a job in Dallas just to kind of like get out of Tulsa. I had been in Tulsa a couple years after we graduated And it was great, but it's like you're born and raised here and you're starting like your true adult life here. So I eventually moved down to Dallas and worked at Fossil. Yeah. Let me back up because I just feel like you're leaving out details. Um, Uh So like you moved back to Tulsa and then like at the same time you went through a massive breakup with your long time high school (laughs) high school into college (laughs) boyfriend like how long have you guys been together at that point we had been together junior and senior year of high school and then all of college almost all four years of college yeah and he was staying back to get his master's in Lawrence and I was moving to Tulsa and it was fizzling Mm -hmm. it was fizzling out already right and then you add on long distance and you add on like I was working and he was still in school he was you know working at a bar and I was like doing my first like big girl job and it just it was on its way out yeah it was on its way out so like you were dealing with that and then like being in your first world job and then like falling for your first like quote-unquote like you know, real world off. It was an office fling. Yeah. An office fling, which like don't ever, what's so crazy is that you and I were the same in that regard, like very parallel. Like I broke up with my college boyfriend. I hadn't been with him nearly as long, but like the first person that I dated outside of him, my first like introduction into real world dating was an office fling. And I threw myself entirely into it. And I was like, Oh, well like this is it. Like, this is the guy that I'm going to fall in love with and marry. And you were the same way. And it's it fucks so st- both of us up so bad. And it's also so stupid. And I know, I think there's something that says like the amount, the percentage of people who meet at work, meet, fall in love and get married. Like it's huge. Really? It's a big, yeah. Like it's a big, it's a big thing. Huh. But it was awful. Was so I would never, ever ever recommend anybody date at work unless you're prepared to move like departments or right office spaces or whatever to another country yeah <laughs> to commit homicide yeah. on that person yeah. no I work with a ton now I work with a ton of um other nurses who are like early 20s 
And there's a lot of like flirtation in healthcare, like between, you know, there's like a bunch of different nurses and doctors and techs and, you know, there's just a bunch of new people. And my like biggest piece of information for these people that are like 23, 24, 27, as I'm like, do not. Don't. Do not. Except that one nurse Except friend. Except that one nurse friend. Oh my God. Who fucking killed it. She shot her shot with this guy that she had had, a doctor that she had had a crush on. And now they're like in love together. Are they engaged? No, not yet. But they're living together. Yeah. Oh my god. Or almost. Okay. Almost. I don't okay. know the details. But all of that to say, so, uh, so, don't shit where you eat. Yeah. Or eat where and, you shit. So Getty was. So you're going through that, um, and there kind of came like there. I don't know. I feel like when it came time to decide between Teach for America and possibly working at Fossil. So Fossil was I was working there we were like 25 at this point Mm -hmm. and it was my second job out of college and Getty had really weird connections like her mom had like been connected with Fossil Mm -hmm. for years and I guess we don't have to get into the nitty-gritty of the story but I just think it's so interesting how it all panned out because like literally was like do you want to take my job at Fossil, because literally my team is about to kick me off because the boss dislikes me so strongly, <laughs> and I'm getting poached by another really cool boss upstairs who wants me on her team, and like, no one dislikes Getty. Like, she's the most likable fucking person ever, and this boss is like, yeah, I want her. I don't want him. <laughs> What's even <laughs> funnier about that is about 18 months after I started the job, uh, she disliked me heavily. She was, a she was, yeah, she was probably the main reason why I started getting out of Fossil. So I, I worked at Fossil and it was like loosely marketing. Like it was very, very loosely using. Wait, 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 wait. Talk about Teacher America and like how you came here and then you met Blake and like. Oh, well, <clears throat> I didn't choose Teach for America. I did the big interview process, got placed in Denver and had to make the decision between Dallas and Fossil or Denver and Teach for America. What's funny is at that same time, my now husband was living in Denver and looking at taking a job in Dallas. And he was going to stay. Do I stay on the team in Denver and keep this like inside sales job? Or do I take an outside sales job and move back to Dallas? So he chose to move back to Dallas. And then I chose to move to Dallas and within probably like a month yes. of living in Dallas, yes. I met Blake and was like, oh, okay. Literally like, so Getty made the decision to move to Dallas. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe one of my best friends from college is going to fucking live in Dallas. Like I was losing my mind and we were working at the same company and she got here and she was like, Still kind of reeling from the office romance bullshit, but single, ready to mingle. I was like breaking up with my college boyfriend literally every other week. (laughs) And and it was like, it was Memorial Day. No, because you guys, no, you made it official on 4th of July. You met Memorial Day weekend at Bain's Lake House. Yeah. And so like we went to this, we went to this guy's lake house for Memorial Day weekend and it was like Getty's first kind of like, Welcome it was to my Dallas. coming out party. Yeah, yeah. And it was like this massive group of people, whatever. And Blake and Getty met that night. Like literally she had just moved here and they met that night and 
they've been together for 11 years. It's been a really long time. And I, it was so funny because I'll never <laughs> forget that like you guys met and then I finally was like, you know what? I'm for real going to break up with my college boyfriend. Like I'm done. Like we're breaking up. And I told you that and we were like out at dinner and you had just started talking to Blake. It'd been like a few weeks and you were like, wait, but like, fuck, I want to be single with you. But like, I really like Blake. I don't know what to mm-hmm. do. And then, you know, you stayed with Blake. So, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Sure did. It anyway. happened. It happened really fast uh, as those things sometimes do. But then we dated for forever before we actually like got engaged mm-hmm. and got married. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like the Dallas, the Dallas migration worked really well because it fossil got me to Dallas. I was not happy in that in that job, in that role, it kind of used my degree, but not really. not really. And like the whole thing with the journalism thing is I never had the passion for it. Right. I never, I would say probably halfway through college, I wanted to pull a Laurel. So our friend Laurel was doing journalism and she was on the broadcast side. And like the end of her sophomore year, junior year, she was like, actually, this doesn't make me happy at all. I want to go into physical therapy and legitimately started college basically over again wow and like she did it at the smart time though she did it at the appropriate time where she was like you know what I'm gonna suck it up and she did pretty intense semesters probably did summer semesters and winter semesters I never did that I just was so focused on graduating in four years that I was like get me get me out of here with this degree it'll be fine right I'll figure it out it'll work out yeah and it didn't yeah. It didn't work out because yeah. I was fucking miserable in every job that I did. Yeah. So what's so amazing about Steph's story is that she was like doing these like, okay, this is like my favorite fucking joke to say about Getty is that at one point, the last job that she had before she completely changed her career, it was like the Chandler Bing of jobs. And I didn't watch Friends that much, but I know enough that no one ever understood what Chandler did. Mm -hmm. He would explain it to them. He explained it to them like a hundred times and they'd be like, okay, yeah, no, I get it. But they didn't get it at all. And that's, that was kind of like where Getty was. Like, I'd be like, explain it to me like I'm five and I still wouldn't understand. And so that was literally everyone. So it was a very loose kind of marketing, kind of consulting kind of website building job for a very large California-based company. And I was there for four years and that was my last like true office job. I loved the people I hated. I felt like I was like working for the man. Yeah. Like everything I did, there was no freedom. It was like these deadlines, these sales goals, these meetings. And I think I was probably working a minimum of like 48 hours a week, a maximum of probably 60 sometimes until I completely was like, fuck this. And then I was working like maybe 30 hours a week. Yeah. And I was, we had initiated some work from home shit before that became like a thing. Um, And I felt so guilty because I knew I was like not earning Like I wasn't working 40 a week. Yeah. And I was miserable. And when I did go into the office, it was horrible. 
I was so sad. Like I remember I would drive there and the commute was really long oh, and terrible. Yeah, I, I think that. I was in the car every day for like greater than two hours total. Jesus. And um, I would cry and I was just like, I felt so lost and, and just like, this really sucks. And it was about, I mean, it wasn't that long. I worked there, I think five years and Damn. it was probably like 18 months in that I was like, uh Oh my God, this sucks. So I started at that point really. How old were you at this point? Uh, time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, 28? When you started 20, the job. 27. Oh, when I started that job? Gosh, I don't know. I should get my resume pulled up. Well, no. I mean, how old were you when you decided like you were going to completely shift gears? I think it was, I think it was about. 27 or 28 really that I and it's a very very long process but basically I was like okay am I going to go into education Mm -hmm. or am I going to go into healthcare? yeah and I talked to a lot of different people and this is a piece of like a little nugget that I would give anybody who's listening who does not feel happy where they are you should change now you should change go ahead and take the steps start changing now Um, Because you're going to really regret it. I regret not doing it sooner. I think it was about that time that I started taking prerequisites. I did not take a single fucking science class at KU. Mm. I took uh, History of the Earth, which was a geology (laughs) course. That's good to have. I'm pretty sure I took an astronomy course. Oh, my God. Those were my sciences. But how did you know that? So you're like in these like dead-end marketing jobs. You're so miserable. How did you... Obviously, like, the education piece had always been there because of Teach for America. Mm-hmm. Where did, like, maybe possibly wanting to do healthcare come from? Um, I I wanted to do this last night when we were hanging out. Oh. I wanted to redo, like, the Enneagram thing. Oh, yeah. I'm a very whatever one I am, which I always forget. It's like a two with a wing three or something like that. Whatever it is, is like you're the helper. Oh, that's two. Yeah. And I've literally always been that. And the negative side of that is like the people pleasing. People are like, oh, you're kind of a pushover. You're a people pleaser. I'm working on that. But the positive side of it is like you have a heart of service you want to do things that have an impact and like a big thing in my brain when I was so miserable at these dead-end jobs was I want to look back in 10 or 15 years and be like I actually did something right I did something for myself I did something for other people I maybe changed a life I maybe and the jobs that I was working they were so corporate that it was like literally everything I did was for like the bottom dollar right and that's a horrible I was like god I'm gonna look back in 20 years and be like okay so what did I do right with my life Mm -hmm. and so I kind of weighed jobs and career paths that had a lot of like service involved and like um help but also you could do a lot of things like education I feel like it's got a couple different paths that you can take healthcare a million paths yeah and I talked to a lot of people I talked to a lot of our friends that were either educators or in healthcare and at first I wasn't sure if I wanted to do like PA like be a physician's assistant and go back to school for that or if I wanted to do nursing 
And after a ton of research and kind of looking at what I think I would be most happy, I chose nursing and started the process. So like second little nugget of wisdom, the first being we'll review all of these together at the end of the podcast. <laughs> I hope you're taking notes because there will be a quiz. <laughs> there will be a quiz. Um, the first one being if you want to change careers, do it now. The second one mm-hmm. being do your fucking research. And I knew in advance how long it was going to take me to even get the prereqs done. So for anyone who's maybe thinking of moving to healthcare, it's great. It's really fucking hard. It's great. (laughs) You have to have a certain amount of prereqs. And I had to retake like biology, chemistry, microbiology, anatomy and physiology, psychology, statistics. Uh, There were a few more. God. And I was still working full time. Yeah. So you were in a night school. I was going to night school at Dallas County Community College. Oh, third nugget of wisdom. <laughs> Do not waste money. Do not waste money on those entry level prerequisites at a large scale university. Do them in a community college. I think all of those classes for me, maybe they were like $1,200 per semester. Whereas if I had taken them at, you know, TWU or UNT or something like that I don't even four thousand probably four thousand dollars three thousand dollars a semester my god that's the third nugget somebody needs to be keeping track of these nuggets um Um, we'll have our producer do it thank you I don't have a a producer Benny the dog yeah so I did all my prereqs at night school continuously and I think it took I think it took five years oh my God. So you started at 27? I think so. Can you give like a little more insight into like what your aha moment was that you were like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to fucking commit to this. I'm going to commit the next eight years to completely change the course of my career and my life and work toward this. Because that's a massive life altering decision. It was pretty big. And I think a lot of what drove me to do it was a little bit of like the regret and the guilt of not choosing correctly in college the first time. So I would always recommend like a gap year before college, a gap year after college, a gap year in the middle to try to really, because you are so young when you go to school and I wish that I had like explored options more. I wish I had known more because I had, I mean, I've got a cousin who's been a nurse her whole life and she's super successful and loves her career. And the more I like opened up to talking to people about a job in healthcare, the more I was like, oh, I really want to do this. How did I not find this sooner? And I think one of the big things was I had always thought that I was more of whatever side of the brain is like your English, your language, your writing, right? history. Like I always thought I was more that side mm-hmm. versus like math, science. And when I started doing these science classes, I was like, oh, I'm actually like, I like this. Yeah. I feel challenged and I feel like it's really cool. And so the prereqs were really nice to kind of like get my feet wet and understand a little bit about like the science element of it. I wouldn't say nursing is actually like all that much science now. Interesting. Okay. But it really helped. And a lot, I felt like a lot of the people that I was in these prereqs with were going into healthcare in some capacity. Yeah. 
And so it was nice to like talk to people about like what they were doing and why they were doing it. But for me, at least it was about helping people. It was interesting to me. And with nursing, anybody who's listening, who's a nurse can completely attest to this. You can do so many things. Yeah. You can be a nurse in a hospital. You can be a nurse in a clinic. You can do community health. You can be a school nurse. Right. I mean, there are, I work with a girl who was like a prison nurse. Oh, wow. And then she was a summer camp nurse. Oh, wow. And then now she's in the ER. And so like you can do all sorts of things and you can eventually, like you can always advance your degree. You can get a master's, you can get a doctorate, you can become a nursing professor. Like there are so many things that you can do. And to me, that was a nice little safety net because I was so nervous about getting into it and what if I hate it like I hate this marketing path that right. I took. Right. Like what am I going to do? Right. More money wasted, more time wasted. I'm only getting older. And so it felt really nice to know that there's not just this one path for nursing and healthcare. And that has been like a huge a huge weight lifted when you finally take that chance. But I mean, I mapped it all out like you were saying when I started those prereqs, I was like I'm going to start this shit at 27, and by the time I'm 35, I will actually be a nurse with a bachelor's oh in nursing in a hospital doing what I want to do. And I remember feeling so bummed out about it and being like, I mean, I'm going to be freaking 35 when I actually get there. And my mom was like, I mean, you're going to be 35 anyways. So true. So true. You might as well do it now. And so I started like all the research. I knew exactly what I needed to take. Um, and then when I ne was nearing the end of my prereqs, like I maybe had one more left. That was when you start doing the like pre-nursing school application. And so there's like a couple different tests that you can take to get into nursing school. And I mean, I did all the research on that. I figured kind of what type of school I wanted to go to. There's a ton of different nursing school options. You can do completely online. You can do accelerated, which you get your degree in like 15 months, which for me, that's not, I wouldn't recommend it to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, Didn't you, you like thought about it for like a second? I did because of the age thing. Because yeah. I was like, well, if it'll shave a year off. But I am so thankful I didn't do that because it is Nursing school is fucking hard. Yeah. And it's even harder when your brain is not spongy and young, when you're kind of like old and crusty. <laughs> it's, it's really, really hard and it's scary. And it takes a second to like teach yourself how to study again. Right. And like, I was never good at that. I loved it. I literally got off on like finals week yeah it was like my getty has always been an amazing student i want to throw that out there like she won't ever say that about herself but we have a running joke with her where like the whole time that she was in prerequisites when she went back to school like nursing school like whatever she is the type that is like a 4.0 a plus student but she would lose her shit <laughs> <laughs> after every quiz and test like without <laughs> like we could always rely on hearing from Getty and her being like that went so bad I feel so like I think I might have like failed that it was really bad holy fuck I'm freaking out and 24 hours later she would be like so weird I got a 
105 and like <laughs> ruined the curve for everyone. Oops. Like every everyone, time. Everyone hates me. I actually have a really, I hope I can find it because it will be something funny that you can see. I have a picture and it's on like a Tuesday after an exam and my eyes are red oh, and my face what? is puffy because I have been crying <laughs> because I thought I failed a test and just, I, I just look so fucking sad and defeated and then they posted the scores and I made like a 97 oh my God. and so I took a picture like smiling oh <laughs> and I mean Blake every yeah every time by about the third semester of nursing school Blake stopped <clears throat> reacting completely I would finish a test and he wouldn't even he'd be like I know it went well so just let's let's cut the dramatics right Stephanie right and because the first couple of semesters every test every test I would be like I failed it yeah I know I failed it this is like this is gonna screw up my GPA and like and she'd be like why did I do this what like, I'm not even good at this oh and then God. it would come back and it'd be like the third highest in the class every single time and I would like tell Blake and he'd be like yeah I know I like yeah. this isn't fun anymore yeah like it was it started to get really hard to take it seriously when she would be upset like yeah. we would just be laughing at her like okay stuff <laughs> and she'd be like no seriously you guys I'm really scared <laughs> oh I uh. am the fucking worst um so anyway back to nursing school in general I realized when I knew my prereqs were coming to a close that I needed to find a school that was right for me. Was I going to do accelerated? Was I going to do a traditional timeline, which is generally four semesters or two years? Did I want to go out of state? Like, did I want us to move? You know, what What did I want to do? And I landed on Texas Women's University, which has uh, their main campus is in Denton, but they've got uh, Dallas is where, like, the nursing school is. And then Houston, they have, like, a satellite campus. It's a traditional program, so it's two years long. It's To me, it worked the best. It was, like, highly – they've got, like, a, a great um, reputation in the community. DFW, for anyone who doesn't know, there you could throw a rock and hit, like, seven or eight hospitals. So – and they're all good. It's, like, Baylor, Parkland, UT Southwestern, like – great hospitals and I was like I really want to go here and I don't want us to have to move because and this is part of what we haven't gotten to oh no when I went to nursing school I quit my full-time job oh yeah mm -hmm. and I was newly married as of seven months oh, my God. and I was like listen Blake the path that this is is I quit working completely and I go back to school full-time. We could do part-time nursing school, but it's going to take like four years. Yeah. And he was like, nope, you've been in school for the bulk of our relationship doing prereqs. Let's get this shit done. Let's like yeah. fucking knock it out. Yeah. Let's go. So I quit and I worked part-time at a wine bar. Oh my God. I remember. <gasps> oh my God. At a wine bar. And then I also worked part-time at UT Southwestern as like a tech, like a patient care tech which I would recommend to any person, if you want to go to med school, PA school, nursing school, PT or OT, whatever. What, what does a tech do? It's like the, you're slogging it out. It's you are like a nurse aide. Okay. But you do all the really bad stuff. Okay. You like clean people, you oh. feed people, you walk people, blood okay. sugars, 
vital signs. Okay. It's really hard work. And you make, I think I made like 17 an hour. Yeah. And so I did that part time. But it was so good because I got to work with a bunch of nurses and I got to ask them because, you know, once you enter into nursing school, the whole thing is like, okay, what are you going to do when you graduate? What's your specialty going to be? Are you going to do med surge or ER or ICU or whatever? And I always knew I wanted to be specialized. I just couldn't figure out, do I want to do like pediatrics or women's health or like emergency trauma or ICU? And so it was really nice working with these nurses and getting firsthand experience, like seeing and hearing from them how they progressed. Plus, being able to like talk to people and not being completely, you know, shy or terrified the first time that you have to like clean somebody up. Mm -hmm. Because that is what, I mean. Have you always had a strong stomach for stuff like that? Um... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it... And honestly, like, at first, I was like, oh, my God. This is... Ah. Yeah. Help. (laughs) And now, it is not even... It does not even... Like, you're numb to it. Doesn't even affect me. There's... I would... I would hasten to say that there is anything that would get me. There's one smell (laughs) that gets me. Like, everybody has a trigger. Mine is stale urine. Oh, God. So if like somebody has been in a brief for a day. What's a brief? Like a like a undies. Oh, like briefs. Well, but like diaper, adult diapers. Okay, okay. So like we'll get somebody and they're like, you know, they've been found down in their house and they've been down for a day and no one's come to help them and then finally they get brought to us. That is my trigger smell. Vomit, poop, blood, uh trachs. A lot of people have like uh a weakness for tracheostomies. All of that's fine. Mine is like old pee pee. <laughs> old pee pee gets me. And I mean, it'll give me like chills. I'll double mask and I'll put like peppermint oil in it. Like, oh my I don't know. God. But everybody has a thing. <clears throat> so everybody has a thing. Anyway. Uh, but no, I don't think I've ever been like totally grossed out by stuff. But it was really nice to have the exposure during school. And I really appreciated like that part-time work. And I mean, I appreciated the fact that my husband was like, sure, make $17 an hour when we work at a wine bar. Yeah, work at a wine bar and you are going to kind of slog it out. And it was tough. Yeah. It was not easy for anyone who's going to do a career change if you're married or if you're not married, whatever. I think... uh, a fair warning in advance to your friends, your family, your partners. Um, Cause it's a huge change and there's a lot that comes with it. That is really scary and you're unsure of a lot of stuff, but I was really methodical about like, this is the timeline. Blake and I were super open with each other about like the finances of everything. Right. I took out student loans for a lot of it and that's hard to do at 32. Mm-hmm. I started nursing school, I think at 32 and so five years of prerequisites and then two years of nursing school oh my god damn yeah you really wanted it I really wanted it towards the end of nursing school you kind of start to figure out like okay I really like this I really like like I'm more geared towards this uh I am super duper OCD like I and I know 
probably we shouldn't say that because there's but I'm very like anal retentive yeah and organized and you like things a certain way and so I thought ICU was the natural place for me why it is more you have less patients you have usually one to two patients but they're super super sick and you have to be on top of a lot of times they're on like a lot of different IV medications. Okay, yeah. You've got to do, you know, Q like every 15 vital signs or blood sugar every hour or you've got to be really on top oh, of it. Interesting. And I thought, oh, that's definitely. But for a second, didn't you also maybe want to be pediatric? I did. Okay. Until I did my clinical rotation. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, mm, no. What? Why? Kids are hard because you are treating the child as a patient and you have one to two parents in the room that you are also having to manage as a patient. Yeah, like, so it's pretty much the same as being a teacher. And parents, and I don't have a child, so I can't speak to this, but if it is your flesh and blood that is super sick or has a broken arm or needs an IV and you're having to stick them two or three times parents are not great and I did a they're not chill mm -mm, mm -mm. I did an externship at Med City Dallas in the ER my like final semester ish and they see a lot of pediatric patients even though there's children's hospitals in Dallas and I remember having to do IVs on kids and pouring sweat like the kid is screaming. The mom is crying. Oh. There's three people in the room because it sounds it sounds like overkill, but you have to like hold them still, and they can't. They can't conceptualize like I need to hold still. Once they poke me, this is all done. Right, right. How are they supposed to? They don't understand that. It was awful. Oh and my God. I think also like we see some like elder abuse working with adults. But you are very exposed to situations where kids are not being treated oh, no. in the way that they should. Yeah. And they're not safe. Right. And to me, I was like, I can't. I can't do this. Yeah. We see some pediatric patients where I work, but not very many because in Tulsa, there's another hospital that has actually a pediatric ER. And so most people go there first. Um, and that is totally fine by me. God. Okay. Keep keep. Keep on going. Don't come here. Wow. Okay. So, um, so what made you realize that you don't didn't want to do ICU, even though you thought maybe that was your path? Um, I did a couple clinicals in a burn ICU, a normal like adult ICU, and then a cardiovascular ICU, and it it was really hard to go back every week and the same you cared for the same patient. There are people who are there for months. Wow. And it just wasn't, I didn't feel like very excited and it's, it's very respectable. Yeah. I work with a lot of really great ICU nurses, but then I did this stint in the ER and I was like, fuck yeah, <laughs> this shit is crazy. These people are nuts. It's like the fucking wild west. Yeah. And we're the redheaded stepchild of the hospital like we're it's like down and dirty and you wheel your patients up to the ICU and they're like this is what you're bringing me and you're like yep 
bye oh my god see you later they've got four ivs though you're good um and i just i loved it it's so fast-paced and it's very like you get you get the patient the goal of an er is you get a patient you stabilize them and then they either go back out the door home they go upstairs to the floor or they go upstairs to be with the lord Oh, got it. Okay. And there are three destinations. Wow. And it's really nice to know when you have a patient come in, you're like, you are going to go to one these of these places. three places. You're either going to die. You're going to live. You're going to live and go home or you're going to live. But like, we got to keep an eye on you. We got to get you medically treated. Okay. Wow. And it's like, it's exciting. And upstairs with the Lord. Upstairs. <laughs> It's funny. So we have, I think you would like this. We have a saying, uh, so the ER should move really quickly, but a lot of times it doesn't because um, we're pretty bogged down um, in general. If you haven't noticed, healthcare has been really hard the last three years. But we have a saying and it's uh, treat and yeet. And so you literally treat them <laughs> and yeet them out the door. That's and it's like, amazing. you're well, go home. Yeet. Yeet. <laughs> uh treat and eat treat that's and incredible eat. but I just I loved the ER and I knew the more I started researching the ER and where I wanted to work um I knew I wanted to work in like a level one or level two trauma center that got um like very significant traumatic injuries because I feel like that stabilization is very quick and very skilled and the nursing team works alongside the trauma doctors, but it's super autonomous. Like we go into it and we know exactly what the fuck needs to be done immediately. Yeah. And the, the trauma docs do their thing, but we as a unit are like, okay, here are the four things that have to be done in the next three and a half minutes for this person to have a good outcome. Yeah. And I just love it. It's so fast paced. It's so crazy and you, it's like you, you never know what you're gonna get never yeah and you get a lot of repeat like you get a lot of frequent flyers there are people that I see every week and I'm like oh it's you again yeah you know, whoever but you get a lot of really cool stuff I've seen already in almost a year and a half I have seen more than I could have ever thought and the hospital that I chose to work for I chose it because we're a level two trauma center and in Tulsa our nearest level one trauma center is two and a half hours away. Oh, wow. So we get everything. Yeah. We get all the surrounding areas. We get level one traumas. Um, we're just a level two facility. Is level one the worst or? Level one, the difference between a level one and a level two trauma is a level one has research capabilities. So they have research teams that are uh, exploring and implementing um, procedures or treatment processes that are in the process of being researched. Whereas a level two, we only implement stuff that has been researched and signed off on by like the American College of Surgeons or something like that. Oh. But we get it all. Like yeah. we get crazy stuff. And I don't think I can do it for the rest of my life. Really? No, it's pretty, ta it's pretty taxing. Yeah. Physically and like emotionally. Yeah. But it's great right now. And I'm still so passionate about it. And there's a lot of like different education that you can do to like advance your practice. Yeah. And so I just, I made the right choice. I'm very, very happy. And it's funny because it's like the first time 
in my life and of course it's like I'm 35 36 and the first time in my life that I'm like oh I'm happy like I'm happy with the job that I'm doing it's not just a job to me it's like a career and it sounds hokey but I'm like extremely passionate about it no that doesn't sound hokey at all I I think that's so the majority of people don't have what you have and feel how you do and it's really unfortunate um so I think it's amazing that you were able to make the change and like you're doing it I mean am I happy that it took you away from Dallas um no (laughs) um no that is really really terrible um but um you know I mean I get it you wanted to be near your mom and (laughs) you had an amazing opportunity here and you guys are really happy and whatever doesn't really change anything um but that's fucking awesome I just it's great I would encourage I would absolutely encourage anybody who is interested in healthcare. I don't know if they if anyone ever if they reach out to you I'd love to talk to anybody about it because I wish I had had someone that was like oh, by the way, get your student loans figured out before you enter school. Right. Or do externships. Figure out, do you like ICU? Do you like ER? Do you like pediatrics? I wish that I had had a sounding board. It's also a very humbling experience being the age I am. And everybody is 10 years younger than me. Right. Everybody in nursing school was 10 years younger than me. Everybody that I work with, I'm like one of the old people. God. Like there are doctors that are younger than me by like five years. Oh my God. And I'm like, hi, do-, you know, doctor, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, Ooh. And so I would recommend if you have any questions about specifically nursing and the path there, because I know I feel like COVID kind of like invigorated some people. Mm. They were like, oh, I want to help. I want to do right. this. Um, and that's great because the people that were already in the trenches are exiting nursing. They are exiting nursing as quickly as they can get out because they're tired. Yeah. They worked a pandemic that they saw a ton of people die. When the pandemic started and you were like finishing up nursing school, were you like, fuck? So it started when I started my first, I was in the middle of my first semester of nursing school. Oh, wow. Okay. When the pandemic. And most schools did not go back in the hospital. TWU fought really, really hard. And we got back into the hospital before like any other nursing schools did. And wow. so we were like doing our clinicals with real patients. And so that was really good. But I mean, we had to wear N95s and face shields and COVID tests every week. Yeah. And- now another kind of like funny er thing is like i'll walk into a room i will have been in a room with a patient and i we're always masked like we're in masks yeah but i like covid swabbed them and then like an hour later i'm like oh they're covid positive ah shit and so you just kind of like now the fear it's not that the fear doesn't exist but like stay up on your vaccinations yeah wash your hands wear your surgical mask and then change into an n95 right like i still haven't officially gotten covid i'm sure i've had it in the last three years at some point right but all of that to say like nurses are leaving healthcare in a faster pace than we are getting new nurses 
and our society is not going to be able to survive without more people in healthcare. And so if you are a person who thinks it's something that you could do or might have a passion for, I would say explore it completely. Um, it is so fulfilling. It's very, very, very hard physically, emotionally, and mentally, but it's challenging in the best way. I love like the people I work with. I've only known them for a little over a year and I, I like love them. Yeah. We are like family. Right. And they're all amazing. And like, I am so blessed to work with not only amazing nurses, but like amazing paramedics and amazing doctors. And there's this like incredible team feel and it's such a rewarding like at the end of a week or the end of a shift, I'm like, I legitimately save someone's life. Right. God. With obviously not on my own, but like with the help of like, we had a positive outcome that if untreated would have been really negative. Yeah. Um, and that alone is like, it's worth it for me so much. And I just, I would encourage anybody. And then outside of healthcare, anybody who's not happy in what they do, explore their options. Yeah. Please do not spend the rest of your life or another year or another five years doing something that does not make you happy. You don't have to be happy 100% of the time. I don't think anybody is. Right. But if you are miserable and you are crying and you feel like you don't have a path, explore other options. Yeah. Life is too fucking short. Yeah. It's cliche as hell, but it's true. It's true. And it's never too late. And like a lot of people... You know, I mean, I just this is stupid, but I think of it almost kind of like in terms of celebrities who like didn't get their big break until like in their 40s or 50s. Yeah. Like, I mean, that shit can still happen. Yeah. So it, it really is never too late. OK, I have two questions that I want to end with. Of course. So the first one is if you could tell the general public one something about nurses and being in a hospital and like something that you could shout from the mountaintops <laughs> that you wish you could like get into people's heads what would it be um your uh mother's warm blanket does not trump the compressions that I'm doing next door uh so don't come wait out by the nurse's desk for your cup of water or your warm blanket when we have someone coding two doors down <laughs> that is legitimately and it's like a meme it's like a it's like a hilarious instagram nursing page thing that you know people like make fun of and it it has fucking happened to me i literally got out of the trauma room and was like in still in like my gown my foot booties my hairnet my like x-ray leds there's blood on me and I come out of the trauma room because I'm going to tube the labs and I see one of my other patients, family members standing at the desk doing the foot tap <gasps> and she's waving at me like how annoying people wave at servers. Yeah. Like, trying to get, she's waving at me like that. Like, can I get a blanket, please? A blanket. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I literally was like, the blanket warmer is down that hall. You can go get it. Wow. There's a person bleeding out in that room that I have to go back to. Oh my God. So that's my number. That's my number one thing. My number two thing is like cover your mouth when you cough. Yeah. Little tiny things. <laughs> Don't 
physically spit your spittle into my eye as I'm like getting your blood pressure. Like fucking cover your mouth. Be an adult. Oh my god. That's those are my things. There's probably more. I'm sure there's more. (laughs) But yeah, that's be patient. We are not there is always someone sicker unless you are coding. Yeah. There is always someone sicker. Explain to the average citizen listening what coding means. Coding is uh, usually like cardiac arrest or respiratory arrest. You have stopped breathing, you no longer have a pulse, or you are approaching uh, one of those two scenarios. So like maybe you've got a really weird heart rhythm that's happening, and what we're doing is we're putting you on the life pack, the little stickies that go mm-hmm. on your chest, and we're like preparing to code you. We're preparing to do CPR. To resuscitate. To resuscitate you. Okay. And that happens a lot in the ER because right now hospitals are so overwhelmed that we are holding patients. I mean, again, it should be treat and eat or treat an ICU treat or and eat. whatever. <laughs> and instead it's like sometimes we have ICU holding zones in the ER. And so we are maintaining someone's, you know, stabilization for hours and hours and hours. And so that is the concept of coding. And then the concept like of the trauma room is there's a whole separate room in our hospital. It's like two bays where people come in and these are the people who have been like shot or stabbed or car accident right and it's separate from all the other rooms and you can't see in but you can buy a clue like you can if you're a patient's family member and you see all of us like moving quickly and you know the big doors close it's like there's something going on there's something going on and it's probably more important than like your mother's warm blanket yeah yeah okay yeah um okay what oh no that was it that was the first question. Okay. Um, the second question that I want to end on is, you know, every week I talk about what I'm reading, watching, and listening to. Oh, God. So will you share what you're currently reading, <laughs> what you're watching, and what you're listening to? Okay. Uh, yes. So like everybody else in the world, I started a uh, reading challenge for 2023, <laughs> and I'm trying to read 60 books this year. Oh, my God. It's going so poorly. That's five books a month. It It's yeah, it's not good. Wow. Uh, it is, I think I'm going to take it down to maybe 50. Oh, I started okay. off real hot to trot. I knocked out a shitload of books in January and February. March happened and do I'm like, Do you read, read, or do you audiobook? Both. Okay. I'll do a mixture of both. Okay. So what I'm reading right now is The Lost Apothecary by okay. Sarah Pinner. Okay. And it's good. I'm only probably 50 pages in. Okay. And I... Ellen and I have the same rule. Oh. I give it 50 to 100 pages. Okay. And if I am not 100% in, I put the book down. Yeah. And I don't look back. Yeah. Um, so I am just started that watching. We're watching a lot of basketball. We haven't started. Like, we finished The Last of Us. Yeah. And we really haven't started anything else. Fair. It's mostly March Madness in this household. Um, but I have saved... The Mandalorian and Bad Sisters, mm. because I think both of those, everyone, Bad Sisters is so fucking good. And Pedro Pascal, like yeah, Getty uh, is obsessed with him. He's so great. <laughs> um, listening, I don't really. 
You don't listen. Like you're not a big podcast girl. I'm not a big. And I think it's because my life is filled with so much talking. Mm. Mm. And that sometimes it's nice to just not have nothing. Yeah. Um, I will say the thing I've been doing on my phone the most is Babbel. Did you, have you ever used Babbel? Why does that, it sounds really familiar. It's like a language thing. Oh yeah. And so it's like, it helps you learn a language kind of loosely. I yeah. I mean, it's not going to replace like a college language course at right. all. Um, but I've been doing that a lot and I feel like it's really good. I would recommend it. Are you doing it for Italian? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause they're going to <coughs> Italy for a big Euro trip this summer. And I feel like it, um, it's helpful. I took Italian in college and so I kind of am like picking up, but I really want to do Babbel for Spanish. Yeah. My biggest regret besides not going to nursing school sooner <laughs> was not taking Spanish. Yeah. What a dummy. I know. I feel like, yeah, I'm, I mean, everyone's stupid for not doing that. It's so dumb. It like, it should be a second language for all of us. Absolutely. If it's not your first. Absolutely. Um, Okay, great. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Thanks. Thank you I hope so this much. Is okay. It was great. I I just think you're so inspiring and you prove that you may not know your calling when you feel like you're supposed to, but even if it comes later, that it is very possible to chase after it and make it happen. Yeah. So if you are in the Tulsa area and you ever get shot, <laughs> <laughs> I'm your girl. Hopefully. Getty is your nurse. Hopefully it's me. Yeah. I'll um, be really sweet to you. Thank you so much, Steph. Thank you. Wow. This is really exciting. It is. Okay, let's go actually like enjoy Tulsa. That sounds great. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, yeah, I will talk at you next week. Bye. <laughs>